Let your light light up your face shine on us Lord let your light light up your face shine on That we may be saved, that we may have life to find our way in the darkest night. Let your light shine on us. Lord, let your grace from your hand fall on us Lord let your grace grace from your hand fall on us that we
pray we'll find your life. I pray we'll find your life. And hold it in our hearts. And hold it in our hearts. Those stars go out each night. The stars go out each night. You're the everlasting star. Shadows fill our days. Lead us to a place. Guide us with your grace. Give us faith so we'll be saved. And as we walk this road.
When you love someone, you'll do anything. You'll do all the crazy things that you can't explain. You'll hold on tight through rain and sun. When you love someone. gathered here before God and loved ones to witness the joining of Enoch Adams and Hillel Phillips in the holy bonds of sacred matrimony. Tonight, many dreams and prayers culminate as two people embark on a journey together toward the bright promise of a lovely tomorrow. Their families express heartfelt appreciation to this beloved community as well as their neighbors and relatives who have shown immense generosity, adding to the joy and grace of this beautiful occasion. Hallel, Enoch is no shallow, bubbling, babbling brook. Deep currents of insight, tenderness, commitment, and love flow below the surface in the heart of the one at your side. 
along with whimsical, sometimes mischievous humor. He is blessed with a gentle spirit and an economy of expression that lends greater weight to his considered words when spoken. I put that nicely, didn't I? (laughs) Enoch, your unassuming kindness endears you to us all. From your scores of cousins and loyal friends to your business associates at the restaurant you help manage. You demonstrate thoughtfulness, precision, and care, whether in creating delectable dishes or in the phrasing of an answer to a puzzling question. We love the heart in you that perseveres, that never gives in, that never gives up. It is that heart that has brought you to this moment right now. The girl next to you, Enoch, is someone deeply beloved by all who know her, such as the Clayton Nolan family, whom she has eagerly served for many years, adopting them as her own to assist in caring for their disabled child. Hallel's zest for helping and living for love has earned her much affection throughout this fellowship. It is a testament to your character, Hallel, that everyone wants you on their team whether a family with disabilities or a bustling restaurant that relies on a reputation of consistent, cheerful excellence in every task and circumstance. But Enoch got the last say. He's got you on his team tonight. (laughs) Why do we make vows? Marriage is a classroom where the learning and lessons never seem to stop. It will lead you through self-discoveries, which will both uplift and humble you as you face respectively the power of your love for another and also the grip and temptation of fear or selfishness. Confronting your own faults is never easy, but it's the first step toward transformation. The patriarch David asks, Lord, who may dwell in your tabernacle? Who may live on your holy mountain? He answers in part, Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbor or speak evil of their friends, those who despise a vile person but honor those who fear the Lord and who keep their promises even when it hurts. Is it possible that the promise you two make tonight may at times cause you hurt? No, it is inevitable. Remaining faithful to your love commitment inevitably involves the pains accompanying change. The act of committing binds you to your highest aspirations and in effect forces you to face your fears and prevail down a course of positive transformation that selfishness would warn you against. But don't let relational growing pains cause you dismay. G.K. Chesterton poignantly remarked, An adventure is only an inconvenience rightly considered. If your vow can be broken, it will eventually break under the strain of conflicting human wills driven by selfish impulses. Yet if your vow is in your heart unbreakable, It will hold you, it will guide you, and it will radically change you 
as you face and overcome all the inner antagonisms of a fallen human nature that threaten the unity and promise you have made to both God and each other. Remain steadfast in your commitment and thus allow love to shape, change, break, and remake you into the people you promised to become at this covenant altar. Thus we understand why the Old Testament word for mercy, chesed, literally means to keep covenant. What greater mercy can we show our companions than the assurance that we will do the changing, not the covenant? We will transform and adjust. Our pledge is steadfast. Enoch, your granddaddy once wrote, Chesed shows that love is more than a few rare and dazzling flights of poetry. It is also the daily walk of prose. It is more than a dramatic, punctiliar act of faith. It is a life of fidelity, obedience, and faithfulness. In the end, the prose will better show love's strength, endurance, and power to prevail in the details, intricacies, and complexities of real-life relationships. Hallel, you also have a granddaddy in heaven beaming on your happy day. Now a word on the image of God, which is the purpose of coming together. Genesis says God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And twice, Jesus says, from the beginning, the creator made them male and female. We know that Jesus also says there will be no male and female in heaven, so we do not take this to refer to God's maleness or God's femaleness. Instead, it suggests that it is the joined two who are in God's image and not merely the one. So, God's likeness emerges not individually but together. In the marriage, as male and female close the distance between, form the bond of love, and become one. One image reflecting the glory of one God. In His likeness, He created them, male and female. The ancient Greeks theorized that humans were initially created with, ready, two faces, four hands, and four legs but were subsequently divided into two separate beings, causing each individual to search for the rest of his life for his other half. Yet according to Genesis, God had a two-part image in mind from the start. Unlike Adam, who was formed from dust, Eve was created from a part of Adam himself. God then presented Eve to Adam as his missing piece, a suitable companion and helper. Only in their togetherness could the two pieces become one whole again. Only in their unity could the radiance and resemblance of God appear. Our Creator's image emerges like two puzzle pieces reuniting from a flawed yet authentic depiction of love marred with cracks and imperfections, yet still a discernible reflection of the divine countenance. Plato said, love is the name of our pursuit toward wholeness, our desire to be complete. 
But if longing for wholeness makes us reach for love, then the quest of love itself acknowledges our brokenness. Love attracts and arranges mosaic fragments to transform shattered shards into something of exquisite beauty, God's image. We feel incomplete and we pursue love for two reasons. One, we lack the companionship, perspective, love, and laughter that only another can provide. Two, we feel incomplete because we have in ourselves something we long to give. We believe that God has sealed within our hearts reservoirs of grace, ever building in pressure until we find that special person for whom these gifts were given to us. To feel complete, we must discover our purpose, that is, who we were meant to love. And then to give and sacrifice will not drain and deplete, but mend and complete us. Countless strangers walk among strangers, each with hidden deposits of life-giving love locked in unseen aquifers of the heart. And they look through the windows of the soul to see in another eye that glimmer of trust that implies she needs me, I need her. Dare we trust each other to disclose and exchange these sacred gifts hidden in our hearts. Love is fundamentally a quest for wholeness, as I've said, and therefore for truth, because truth is wholeness. It is the search for the truth of our purpose, our worth, who we are, revealed through helping others. Truth can only emerge through vulnerability, but vulnerability requires trust. So what is the basis for trust? I would submit humility, sincerity, responsibility, and sacrifice. Humility elicits trust when we ask others to follow us as we ourselves live as followers, Enoch. Sincerity elicits trust when we shun self-seeking and pursue the good of others. Responsibility elicits trust when we fulfill our tasks as an expression of faith and not independent pride. Sacrifice elicits trust as we love as Christ has loved us, laying down our wants, our time, our talents to nurture, wash, heal, and provide for those in our care. We marvel at the perspective our lover often has of us, and I imagine you two have done some of this. One spouse may say to another something like, you are perfect. On the face of it, this is categorically absurd. <laughs> but it hints at a more profound truth. What they're really saying is, we are whole because we have found the truth of God's love, God's image, the fragments have begun to form the picture of a perfect face, the face of love, the face of God. They're saying we are perfect, we are whole in this love we found. The Apostle Paul saw the marriage union as a metaphor and precursor to the greater union it symbolized between Jesus, the bridegroom, and the church, his bride. Therefore, the marriage union typifies the unity in which all believers are invited to share through the body of Christ, where Paul, who never married, nonetheless found his wholeness and completeness in love's perfect union. Paul thus reassures the Colossian church, saying, 
you have been made complete in Christ. The word he uses, complete, is often translated as perfect. Paul's use of complete or perfect here does not, however, refer to individual flawlessness, but the complete oneness between the members of Christ's body and his indwelling spirit. We are not complete until helping and caring for others. We need others' gifts, but we need their needs as much to discover who we are. The Apostle Paul found his own joy and strength through serving the Roman congregation. He wrote, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged and strengthened in each other's faith. He yearned to supply and assist the church both to strengthen and receive strength in the completeness of love's exchange. Finding the purpose and people you were sent to love and serve is the better part of discovering your purpose for being on the earth. This purpose has brought all of us to this moment tonight because two souls believe God has led them to their better halves and that they will now find love's wholeness in the truth of each other's commitment to love. Now a few lines from a song that we sing around here that speaks to what I'm saying. We rise by bowing. We live by dying. When we give what we could never keep, we gain what we could never lose. Like beauty from ashes and joy from mourning, only you can take brokenness and make something beautiful. From glory to glory, you tell our story, we will overcome. We'll walk on the water with our eyes on the Father. Nothing is impossible.